Turn in your Bibles with me to 2 Kings chapter 17. 2 Kings chapter 17, as we continue through the history of the kings of Israel. Now, um, if you'll remember with me, we closed out with really the entire apostasy of Judah. Now, it's going to take the southern tribe is Judah. Northern tribe is the 10 or 11 tribes, 11, about 11 tribes or, or 10 and a half, I should say, um, are in the north. They called Israel. And when we close, we see, I mean, they've been apostate following Jeroboam and the golden calves for years. They wouldn't tear down the high places. That's their epitaph. And God has been merciful, long-suffering, waiting upon them. We're going to see even in this text, sending them prophets. And we've seen some of them uh, carried away captive, a few of them, uh, a couple chapters ago. Um, and now we're going to see the rest of the nation carried away. But last week we seen Judah, if you'll remember with me, uh, when Jehoshaphat married and he began to, he began to try to um, make peace with the northern tribes and be a part of them. And I'm not sure if his intent was to bring them back to God, but his daughter, or excuse me, his son ends up marrying Ahab and Jezebel's daughter. And we begin to see this decline where we're marrying into uh, the false apostate religion. We see the same thing going on in our churches today where we have uh, churches that have joined the world and then they're encouraging other churches to join them. But in fact, when you join them, they are apostates. So you're really joining the world and you're walking away from God. And we'll see if some of that comes out. But Ahaz, uh, which means he has grasped, grasped or possessor, uh, he was really attacked by the northern kingdoms in chapter 16 uh, by um, Romalia, uh, king of Israel, we're told in 16.5. They came down to attack them to get them to join them, really, and fighting against Assyria because Assyria is taking over everything, just really starting to uh, destroy and take over everything, or Syria, I should say. And he does; he, he withstands them, and then he sends money and becomes the vassal of Tilgath-Pilazar uh, and, and begins to uh, uh, join them and be part of them and stand with them. But he goes to... Uh, Damascus, the capital city of Assyria, and he sees this beautiful altar, and so he wants it to be his altar. And so that's essentially what we see, is he does exactly what uh, uh, Jeroboam did with the golden calves to the northern tribes, is he completely changed the way that they worship God. He completely changed the God that they, that they were worshiping, and he moved the furniture around and, and the setup of the, of the temple and we see that he brought in this new uh, altar and all of these things into the, uh, um, the temple of God. And essentially, he is, he's an apostate and he's leading the people. And so the leader goes and so goes the people and they begin to follow him. And he set up all of this new things 
Listen, we need to hear the voice of God. We need to be in the Word of God. In the church today especially, we need to be studying the Word of God, sitting down and reading the Word of God, not just following blindly any leader, anyone who calls himself a pastor, any place that hangs a shingle up and says we're a church. The church are the called out ones. We're called out from the world. We're called to a God. We're called to serve Jesus and believe in his blood that has redeemed our sin nature. So we really need to know what we believe and what we don't believe. What we, who we are following and who we're not following, lest we be deceived. And we just blindly follow leaders that do not know the word of God. And that's what we're seeing now. They moved everything around. Ahaz did. Uh, and, and he set up all this false worship. And it's really sad to watch. Now, they're going to be 100 years, around 100 years before they completely go into uh, uh, captivity in Babylon. After Babylon uh, uh, takes over Assyria. And so we're going to see that. And that's really what happens with the church. Jesus said, well, I even find faith. We, we begin to follow the broken culture of church or the apostate culture. Or we get involved in... And these things that are just simply not what the Word of God calls us to do. The ministry of reconciliation of souls. We need to be focused on reconciling souls. And in focused on that, it's our soul first. Paul says, test yourself to see if you're even in the faith. So we want to make sure our soul is saved. And then, then being sanctified as we learn to hear the Word of God, hear the voice of God, and articulate the difference between the world or apostate religion and the voice of God that's telling us to turn in here and to follow Him. John 10, 27, My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. So I would ask you, who are you following? Are you learning the Word of God so you can know the living Word of God, Jesus Christ? You'll understand His character, His nature, His will, His name, because there's salvation in no other name. As we learn in the 66 books here, as we learn His character, what He's doing, what He's always been doing, and He's still going to do it. He hasn't changed His plan. He is working even until now. So let's look. Again, reminded that Ahaz has led the nation astray. And we see in chapter 17, verse 1, In the 20th year of Ahaz, um, king of Judah, Hosea, the son of Elah, became king of Israel in Samaria, and he reigned nine years. Now, that's not the finality, but we're going to see that he was taken away. So, listen, here's it's interesting. Hosea, or however you want to say it, Oshia is probably how it's probably pronounced. It means salvation. It means salvation, uh, and it's the family name of Joshua. Uh, Joshua, Yeshua, the son of Nun, which means deliverer. And, 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 and ironically, now in the fact that we're going to see they're going into captivity, God has stopped his long suffering with them, although in captivity, he wants them to return to him and to turn their hearts back to him. He is doing this to get them to cry out to him. But it's interesting that the final king that we're going to see is actually uh, Hosea, the son of Elah, which means uh, an oak. 
You know, this is what God always wanted to do is bring us salvation and make us oaks of righteousness. And we see this happening when God says, enough, I'm going to carry you away captive. So watch what happens. He says he became king of Israel in Samaria. That was the capital city, the ruling city there of the northern tribes. And he reigned nine years. Verse 2. And he did evil in the sight of the Lord, but not as the kings of Israel who were before him. So notice, it wasn't the same. Even though we've had this horrible reign of kings in the northern kingdom, and in fact, uh, most of them, the epitaph was, they did not take down the high places. In other words, they didn't want to upset the people. So they didn't say, hey, we're taking down these high places. We're going to return to the Lord our God. So they would let the people keep worshiping in the high places, although most of the kings, almost all of them, never worshiped at the high places until we get to the last king um, that we've seen. And he actually did. I think that was uh, uh, Ramalia, or Pekah, the son of Ramalia. And I think I mispronounced it a while ago. It was Pekah who was king, and he actually worshipped at the high places. He actually was very evil. Uh, and so we, now we see that, that Hosea was not that bad of a king, uh, according to all the rest of them. Uh, he didn't do what the rest of them did. Um, again, it doesn't say that he uh, worshipped at the high places. Verse 3, Shalmaneser... King of Assyria, Shalmaneser, I'm, I'm not sure how that's pronounced. King of Assyria came up against him, and Hoshea became his servant, his vassal, and paid him, or uh, uh, pre presents, presented him uh, donations or tribute money. So let's look at this. Shalmaneser, Shalmaneser means fire worshiper. Isn't that interesting? Fire worshiper. Um, he was the king of Assyria and he ruled between Tilgath Pilazar and Sargon II. Now he's going to get, he's going to actually lead them all over and take them captive, but I think it's Sargon II that in historicity actually gets a credit for this, but we know that uh, it was Shalmaneser who actually done, uh, took them captive and he's uh, uh, the king of Assyria which means a step he's in uh, Assyria comes from Asher the second son of Shem and vassal means servant or slave and, and he becomes their slave their, or the whole kingdom does and pays them tribute money or to contribute to them he gives them presents donations um, year to year so that they are not destroyed and that they can continue to stay and remain a nation there in Samaria and Israel. They just pay protection money kind of like. But it says in verse 4, And the king of Assyria, so Shalmaneser, uncovered a conspiracy by Hoshea. Um, it says he found, uncovered is what the new King James, the King James says found a conspiracy by Hoshea, for he had sent messengers to sow. Um, that name is actually longer in some text. I was trying to remember what it was uh, instead of it being so. I just can't remember in my brain uh, who it was. 
Um, so, so means concealed. And it's interesting, there's this conspiracy, and it's being concealed, and he's offering money to sow king of Egypt. And, and in that year, he didn't bring tribute money to the king of Assyria, Shalmaneser, uh, as he had been doing year by year. Therefore, the king of Assyria shut him up and bound him up in prison. So he found this conspiracy going on. Listen, trek with me here, because it can be a little bit hard. Now, I don't know if he did it in the same year, if in the ninth year that he failed. I think it's probably the ninth year that he ended up. So this might have been the sixth year. And in the ninth year, after they besieged the city, we'll see in the next text, they besieged the city for three whole years before they could take it. Then he shuts him up in prison, potentially. And so it's really hard to follow some of the dates here. And I'm just telling you what I think as I see it. So uh, he's paying tribute year by year. He become his servant. He got sick of being his servant. So he thought, I'm going to go down to Egypt. Now, the Bible always tells us not to go back to Egypt. You don't want to go to Egypt for help. And God is doing this thing. God has raised up Assyria to come and take uh, the northern tribes into captivity because he's punishing them. And, and so for all of their, uh, we're going to see that down here in verse um, 7 and 8, what happened, the commentary on that. So he conspires, he tries to hire, he sends the money instead of sending uh, uh, the tribute money to uh, uh, Shalomaneser. He sends it over and tries to buy Egypt to come and help him. He gets caught, he gets bound up in prison. Verse 5. Now the king of Assyria went throughout all the land and went up to Samaria. Now that's the capital city and besieged it for three years. That's why I'm telling you, they must have still been strong as a city, a walled city. They must have still been strong because it takes three years to actually topple the city and take the city. So that's a pretty good long battle. But we can read later that they was really it was really a brutal battle where evil things happened, wicked things happened, uh, and they starved to death. There was a lot of stuff going on. We won't read that right now. We're just going to keep moving. So for three years, uh, the king of Assyria came, and he attacked. In the ninth year of Hoshea's reign, the king of Assyria took Samaria and carried Israel away to Assyria. Notice that. This is the full uh, captivity of them. And placed them in Hala, and by the Habar, the river of Gozan, and in the city of the Medes. Now, now notice this, because we're going to see this. You see it in the New Testament. You see it later when uh, uh, um, they come back to rebuild the walls in Ezra's day. And uh, Nehemiah, is that who it is? Or Hezekiah? Who's the rebuilders of the walls? Uh-oh, I caught everybody off guard. Nobody's telling me any names. Anyway, we see later that we have half-breeds in the land. And this is what happened, is that they would carry off all the people. Excuse me? Nehemiah, yeah. Nehemiah's day. He's the one that finally makes it back and actually rebuilds and tells no one the plans in his heart. And I thought I said his name. Did I say Nehemiah already? Nobody's answering me. Okay, so let's keep moving. Uh, they took everybody away. They lead them away. They, they, put, uh, they pierced their noses, and that's a type of, 
of, of who God you're serving and who you're serving, false gods or not. And they chain them together. They cut their garments. They lead them away, uh, sometimes even naked, uh, and humiliate them. But they would leave the poor in the land to take care of the land, to, 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 to tend the land. And then they send back people from their land, and then they would marry into each other. And we see that in Nehemiah's day uh, where there's a lot of it. And we get what's called the Samaritans. They're in Samaria. We see Jesus in, in, in uh, John chapter 4. Is it that he's in Samaria, must needs go through Samaria? And he has the conversation with a Samaritan woman. And they kind of made their own religion up. And it's, 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 they're worshiping on their own little hill. And you see the remnants of this. And someone has said that there's even some uh, uh, Samaritans left today over in Israel. Just very few little small tribe of them. But anyway, here they are. They take them away. And then they send back some other people. And we're going to see that eventually as we go through this. But it's interesting that... Um, Hela means painful. Hela is a city in Mesopotamia uh, that's under Assyrian control at this time. So he takes some, they disperse them to there, and then they take them over to Habar, which means joining. Now, Habar is a river that's actually like a tributary coming into the Euphrates, a small river that would feed into the Euphrates River. And then there's Gozen, uh, which is a cutting off. It's a, actually a, a place of a quarry where they would cut stone and, and, they're, and they're cutting these stones. So we're seeing these cities. I'm just giving you some of their names. Places where they took the northern tribes and then in the city of the Medes, which means middle land. So they're kind of there. Um, and, you know, Judah is going to be maybe, like I said, 90 to 100 years before they're carried away in the Babylonian captivity. And we never really see, and I think it's verse 23, uh, as it is to this day, they're carried off, and as it is to this day, we never really seen in the Bible a complete return uh, of, of the whole northern tribes. Now with Judah, we'll see Judah come back in mass because that's the tribe that Jesus is going to come from. So they stay intact. But, but, the, but the rest are dispersed throughout the, the world, we're going to see, uh, as what God had said he would do to them in Deuteronomy 28. So that's a lot of content, but I'm really just trying to walk you through this together. And we see that this is really, uh, in some ways, what is going on, because the heart of man never changes. We are all born, we have a nature that's a sin nature, and we need to come to Jesus and become back to his word and begin to follow him and be led by his spirit or what do we do? We always do the same thing that, the, that we see the characters in the Bible doing. We'll always follow. We'll always try to rescue ourselves. We'll always pay tribute money to some type of a God or another leader. And we'll become in bondage to it. Whether it's the American government, whether it's your job. We're always going to do the same exact thing that human nature, sin nature does when it's not set free and given rest because of the blood of Jesus, we'll always run to Egypt for help. We'll always run to Pharmacaea for help. We'll always run to witchcraft. We'll always run to things that we feel like we can touch with our hand, but we don't turn back to God 
unless his spirit touches us and we repent and we humble ourselves and we bow down and we admit that we are nothing and we can do nothing, we have nothing separated from God. And that is the plight of man in their sin nature. They are separated from God. And we have to change our mind and return to God and be reattached to him by the blood of Jesus and begin to listen to his voice, to listen to his word, to follow his dictates and obey him, not for salvation. We have salvation in believing, but because of salvation and because we say we've humbled ourselves, then we voluntarily as douloses, servants, slaves, begin to follow God and do his work for his kingdom, for his glory, or thus we end up the same way always. Whether it's a one person, whether it's a family, or whether it's a nation, the same thing happens if you give it time. We see it in our nation now. We have been completely sold out. And it's not just China, it's also to Islam. Islam is taking over in Great Britain. Islam is taking over in the world. They want the crescent moon to close, which is, which is a bunch of lies and demonic activity. We want to serve Jesus. And we know that people of Islam and, and, and the Middle East, they can come to salvation. We're seeing lots of them come to salvation. But we must not be afraid to proclaim truth. We must not be afraid to, uh, uh, to walk in truth. We must not shut up just because it looks like our country is being taken over. We still need to speak up. And don't fall for the false revival that's going on. The Bible is clear that perilous times will come. The Bible is clear that men's hearts keep getting worse and worse. Even though we make up new religions, we might look like we're coming back to God without them calling for complete repentance and a return to the God of the Bible, to the, to the blood of Jesus, to, the, to Jesus the Christ of Nazareth. Unless we see that, then it's all false religion, false morality. The morality has to come back to the morality of the Bible. And without that, it's no true repentance. There's no true revival. There can be an awakening of our own hearts, those that are in apostasy that say that they're following God and they're really not. There could be an awakening where we realize that we've, we went off course and we're not following the God of the Bible even though we say we are. So they're carried away and they're placed in these cities and it means they, it's painful. They're joining uh, and flowing into the Euphrates. They're being cut off and they're in the middle of the land. Listen, and that can happen to you. That can happen to me. But, but when it's painful and, and we're being cut off, the place to go is back to God. No matter what, it's back to God. Now, why is this going on? We're given commentary concerning what happened, how it started, and how it kept going, and how what you sow grows. See, and, and it's the, the fruit comes from the root. It doesn't come from what just happened because we see that even a better king is on the throne. So just because we get a better president in our country doesn't mean that we're going to be rescued. We're still being taken into captivity. 
We're still being destroyed. We're still being taken down by, by Babylon and this great high tower that we see. Yes, Babylon was a high tower. It was its own government that ignored God and was ruled by people who hated God and were wicked and were trying to steal souls. So no matter what, even if we get a president that seems like he's better than the last one, that doesn't save us. Only Jesus to Christ saves us. Here we even have a king whose name means salvation. Whose dad's name meant an oak. He was solid, but it has nothing to do with the blood of Jesus. It has nothing to do with turning back to the God of the Bible and repenting of their sin. We see that we already have been uh, taken over. And we see that in our country. We see that in the churches where the music has been taken over. The word of God has been taken over. Psychology has, has dominated the pulpits. Feel-good psychology, word of faith, and a lot of false doctrines that have nothing to do with the Bible. Search it out. Cry out to God. Repent before him, and we'll see what they should have done and what they did not do. Verse 7, here's what we're told, the commentary. For so it was that the children of Israel, that's your northern tribes, had sinned against the Lord their God. Listen, that all sin is against God. It might affect others with the pebble. You throw it in the water, it has the ripple effect. It might cause others to follow it. It might hurt others, but sin is against a holy God. The people had sinned against God. They had turned their backs on God. They had rebelled against God. They knew how they were supposed to be worshiping. And they followed the sins of Jeroboam. And which God is that, Greg? Their Lord God, 7b, who had brought them up out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and they had feared other gods. Listen to me. The hand of Pharaoh means the power of Pharaoh. They were being dominated by Pharaoh. They were under hard taskmaster who was, who was keeping them in hard bondage in Egypt. And God heard the cry of his people. What? How do you hear the cry of the people? Because they're crying out to God because of the painful, the, the painful cutting off that was going on. Listen to me. When there's painful cutting off, the place to go is to God. God hasn't forgotten his people. God never forgets his people or his promises. He always keeps his promises. They sinned against God. They turned from God. He's the one that rescued them, delivered them with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with the ten plagues we see. And then he destroyed all of Egypt, a type of what is getting ready to happen where he delivers his church out. And then he destroys the earth with fire. And makes all things new again by burning it and purifying it. Listen to me. He's reminding them. We're being told why they were led away. Why they went into captivity. And Egypt is a type of the world to us. God brought us out of the world. From under the hand or the power of the sin nature. And our own sin and Satan and our flesh. And he brought us out. From being afraid of other gods. You see this. And then we begin to walk away from him. Listen. And they feared other gods. 7C. Notice what they did. Now look. 
And what did they do when they feared other gods? There's no other gods. Yet in morality, they feared them and they followed what they were doing. Listen to what it means. They feared, it means morally to revere, caustically to frighten. So there's, there's fright that can happen in fear. Yeah, boom! You know, but morally, they, they revered and followed the ways of false gods and the ways of the land and the way. They, and they didn't fear God Almighty, who actually laid down laws and statutes and true morality and told them what they were supposed to do, how they were supposed to live, how they were supposed to walk. And so they feared the, the false gods and the people of the land. And it says in 8, and had walked. That's how you're living. In the statutes, that's their ways, of the nations whom the Lord had cast out from before the children of Israel and of the kings of Israel, which they had made. Now listen, so notice that they're following, uh, they're fearing false gods. They're walking in the way of the nation that, is, that was there before them, Canaan, and the kings like Jeroboam the first and all the kings down from him that have walked away from God. So they were following men. They were following nations, laws and regulations that were against God. And they were fearing morally false gods. And see, we have that again today. Instead of knowing the word of God and following the word of God and obeying the word of God and being led by the spirit of God into the presence of God for the glory of God, we just follow that what we see around us, and I call it culturanity. I just call it culturanity. And if you wanted to read, I'm not going to read it because it's a very long chapter, but it's a beautiful chapter, is, is Deuteronomy 28, which God opens up with it. He's going to bless them if they obey what he said to do, and then he says, I'm going to curse you if you disobey. And we've been delivered back by the blood of Jesus positionally so now that we can learn to obey God. Because our very nature was an enemy of God and we did not want to obey God. We want to live like everything else. We want to have a king like everyone else. But there's only one king of kings and lord of lords and that's Jesus. And now we've been set free from the penalty of sin so we can learn to obey and receive the blessing of God. God is a blessing God. He wants to bless you. But you're going to reap what you sow. Listen to me. It may be a long time before you reap it. Look how long this has been. 400 years. They are reaping it now. And they're going to go into captivity and uh, uh, be destroyed as a people in many ways. And go through so much. But all of it is so that they would do what? They would cry out and turn back to God. If you're going through something in your life, don't run from God. Don't blame God. Don't believe the lie. But turn to God. Cry out to God. Ask for the wisdom of God. Walk in the ways of the old past and trust God that even though it hurts, it's painful. It cuts you off. You're in the middle of the land. You can be free and have rest. You can be planted by the rivers of water and be tall oaks of righteousness if you will fear God. And not fear man, not fear other false gods, not walk in the statutes of the nations. Listen to me. Listen to me. What did they do? We just covered this. It's 2 Chronicles chapter 20. Jehoshaphat, before he really blew it, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat ends up uh, really blowing it and then allowing his son to marry into the apostate northern tribes. Uh, and he, it says that three enemies came against Jehoshaphat. 
three nations, and, and it was a great multitude. You're in Second uh, 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 Chronicles 20, verse 3. What did Jehoshaphat do? He feared. He was afraid. See, if you have fear in your life and you're afraid, what do you do? He set himself to seek the Lord and he proclaimed the fast because he was the leader. He could proclaim that in the land and say, listen, people, turn your hearts to God and fast through all, throughout all Judah. And what happened? Judah gathered together and asked help from the Lord and from all the cities of Judah, and they came to seek the Lord. And they end up, they end up winning the entire battle and don't have to do anything but stand. And trust the Lord. And the Lord causes the enemies to fight each other and destroy each other. And they're three days picking up the spoils. And they did not lose one person. Not one was lost. Listen, the salvation is of the Lord. The battle is won. But what we do when fear comes, what we do when the battle comes, what we do when pain comes, what we do is remember that God has delivered us out of the world. We don't want to return back. He's delivered us away from fearing these false gods that aren't real. We don't have to fear what they say to us. We know to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. And we want to walk in the right way and be led by the Spirit of God and follow His word, follow His statutes, follow His commandments, follow His Spirit. That's the proper thing we should do. Not sin against the Lord God who delivered us. But learn to obey the Lord God. Learn to hear his voice. Learn to seek his face. In fact, look, to, look at Leviticus 18. Leviticus 18. God said that this would happen. And you can read Deuteronomy 28. Like I said, I'm not going to go there. It's 18.1. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel. Notice there's a spoken word. See, it's delivered to Moses. Moses delivers it to the children. And that's the way we want to do. We want to hear from God, hear his voice. Listen, we want to hear his word and then go out and speak it to others. But we also want to walk it out, obey it, live it. Speak to the children of Israel. Now, in this time, it was all the nations together, all 12, all the tribes, excuse me, all the 12 tribes of one nation, and say to them, I am the Lord. This is why the great I am, ego of me, or excuse me, that's not ego of me, that's a Greek. I am the Lord, uh, the becoming one, the self-existent one, your God. According to the doings of the land of Egypt, that's the world to us, where you dwelt, you shall not do. Listen, we don't want to practice the same culture. We've been called out, separated. We're not isolating. We go back to talk to them and to share with them and let them see what God's doing in our life. But we've been called out. Someone who isolates seeks his own glory, but we're seeking to testify, give witness, and tell people about the Lord Jesus and boast in him, not seek our own glory. We're not trying to honor men. We're trying to glorify God. So we don't want to walk in the way that, in the land that we dwelt. That was our home. That's where we live. But now our, our citizenship is in heaven. You shall not do that. And according to the doings of the land of Canaan, 
That's the land that he was taking them into where he was killing them all because of their evilness. And he gave them, listen, God is a long-suffering God. There is nothing you can say about God. He is long-suffering. He gives us plenty of time to repent. He gave the land of Canaan uh, hundreds of years to repent, and they would not turn. He gives you and your sin plenty of years to turn, plenty of years to learn the Word of God, plenty of time to obey and to ask for forgiveness and turn so that you will not burn. Turn so that you will not have to reap the fruit of your growing. He's a long-suffering God. No one will be able to answer against him. Where I am bringing you, see, he's bringing us, you shall not do their way either, nor shall you walk in their ordinances. Listen, listen to me, because it's a very simple thing. We are called to obey the laws of the land, but we're not following the, the leaders of this land. We're called to obey the ordinances, but they make an ordinance where they can kill babies. And God's a God of life. We don't have to go get abortions. We are not forced to go get abortions. And the church should not be killing their children. We should be training them in the way that they're supposed to go. We should have full quivers of arrows. We should be looking to, to desire to raise children, train children, and teach them to walk in a godly way. We do not have to follow the ordinances and statutes and say we're just going to practice everything that the world is doing. They, they pass a law for gay marriage. We don't have to approve of their laws. We can actually continue to live the way we're living because we know that they're going to get worse and worse. We can speak out against it, stand up against it. We don't have to begin to practice it, but look at the churches of today. There's churches actually stand up in their pulpits and say that abortion is okay and that God is okay with, 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 choo with choosing life or choosing death. Whichever you choose to do, God's good with it. No, God said choose you this day. Choose life or choose death. You can choose one. And if you walk in this way, you're going to die. If you walk in this way, you can have life and the blessing of God. Listen to me. God does not tell us to choose gay marriage. Yet we see churches that are adopting this. They're ordaining homosexual pastors. God says that if you sow that seed, you will die. You have to repent of sin. You have to turn from your sin. You have to be willing to follow a Holy Spirit. The Holy Ghost is holy. Which spirit you are if you have the Holy Ghost in you? Do you have the Holy Spirit in you? then you should be able to see clearly and discern that we cannot walk in the ordinances of the land. We do not follow the governing of the land. We follow something that's higher. The, the spirit is higher than the laws, the physical religion, and the practices. We are walking in the spirit of God so that we do not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We don't have to do what they are doing with their ordinances we can stay clear away from them. We can speak out against them. We can be salt and light. 18.4, you shall observe my judgments. What does God judge? What does God discern? What has God said to do? And keep my ordinances. What is his word? Are you listening for his voice? Are you searching out what he said to do? His heart has not changed ever. God's heart is still the same. From the beginning, he's the unchanging, self-existing one. I am God, I do not change, he would tell us. To walk in them, to walk in his judgments, walk in his ordinances. 
to live in them. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments. If a man does, he shall live. There's life in them. Live by them. I am the Lord. Listen to me. It doesn't matter what the world is doing. We want to be pleasing to God. We want to honor God. We want to live for God. We want to walk in His judgments, His ordinances, in His ways, and live according to His Spirit and His Word to hear His voice and be trained in how we're supposed to go as the children of God so that when we get to heaven, we'll already know. Our hearts will already be following and worshiping in spirit and truth. We are not to continue in the ways of the world and say that this is Christianity just because we go to church on Sunday, just because I said a prayer once. We are being trained as children in the way we're supposed to go, sanctified, washed, and cleansed if we're listening to God. However, these, after long-suffering God, finally leads them away into Syrian captivity. And they were supposed to cry out. They were supposed to seek the Lord because the enemy was coming and fast and pray. And he even tells them to plant gardens and build houses and pray for the peace of the land because you're going to be here for 70 years. They're going to be there. So we know that he does not relent once he also uh, brings punishment. So verse back in our text, 2 Kings 17, 9, as he continues and they discuss and talk about what happened and why they were led away. Also, the children of Israel secretly, notice this, secretly did against the Lord. Notice it was against the Lord. Their, excuse me. Verse 9 again. Also the children of Israel secretly did against the Lord their God things that were not right. And they built for themselves. Who did they build it for? What were you building for? Who are you building for? Who are you living for? Who are you walking for? What is? What are you following? Is it for yourself? Or is it for God? Because we are bought by a price, the precious blood of Jesus, and we no longer live for ourselves. As Paul would say to the Galatian church who was being bewitched in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. That's dead with Christ. In the grave with Christ. Resurrected with Christ. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives. But Christ lives in me by his spirit. He's living in us, regenerating us, leading us, convicting us. The life that I now live in the flesh, because this body is still here, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So we're following. It's a life of faith following Christ. We're not building for ourselves. We're not building our own kingdoms. We're not building our own churches. This doesn't belong to us. We belong to God. And we actually receive an inheritance joint heirs but we're building for God we're in mission with God we are in the ministry of reconciliation of souls with God and how we do things and what we're living for and how we do them is unto God for his glory to be a witness and give testimony and evidence that he lives in us that we're doing it because of 
his word, because of his spirit, because he told us to do it. But so much of what's going on, as someone has said, if the Holy Spirit was taken out of the Acts church, only 5% would have continued of what they were doing. But if the Holy Spirit was taken out of today's church, it's getting ready to happen. Take us out, the rapture of the church, the great, great snatching away. Then how much would continue? About 95% of it would continue. Because we've made up our own little budgets and buildings and businesses. And we got our own little religious practices and our stained glass windows and our nice big buildings. And we're doing things, but not what the Lord told us to do. We're not walking in His judgments and His ordinance and His way. Listening to His voice and being led by His Spirit. Listen to me. What say you, Christian? Are you looking to build for yourself? Putting up a little nest egg for the future? Or are you looking to save souls? Looking to give evidence in this grand courtroom concerning God that he's coming back soon and he's going to judge the quick and the dead. I want to be the quick. So they had their own secret sins. They thought they were getting away with them, but they were committing them against God. Verse 9. You can't hide from God. And then they were doing things together, it says. They had their secret sins, and they were against the Lord, and they were not right. And then they built for themselves high places in their cities. Listen, they went and built higher places. Let's make these tall buildings. Let's build a kingdom for ourselves. Let's build a city for ourselves. Let's do it and forget God. Let's don't give God any credit for all of these things. High places. Bama. That's what high is. Bama. It's an elevation. Listen to what this is. This is really interesting. It means a funeral mound. Because if you're building high places for yourself, it's called death culture. You're doing it for your own funeral. You're not going to live. You're not going to have life. So it's high places. is Bama. Hmm. They built these high places in all their cities from watchtower to fortified cities. So they had these watchtowers where they, they would watch, the watchmen would watch. And then they had these fenced cities, the King James calls it. They're strongholds. They built walls and then they have watchtowers. And they would see and they thought they were protecting themselves with their high places. And they were fearing false gods. And they weren't fearing the God who saved them, the God who created them. You know, and, 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 and the laborer builds in vain if the house is not built by the Lord. And the watchtower watches in vain if the Lord is not watching the house. If the Lord is not involved in it, it's a funeral mound waiting to die. The only way to have life is through the Spirit of God and the Word of God because of the Creator God who loves us. And He's calling us back to repentance. I hope you're hearing His voice. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit would say to the church. Come home, prodigal. Come home. Verse 10. They set up for themselves. Notice who they're setting it up for. Listen, this is again going back to our memory verse that we haven't discussed yet, but it's in John 5, 44. How can you believe? How can you trust that Jesus is the Messiah of God? You who honor one another 
and do not seek the honor of the only true God. Now, I, I, I added the word true, the only God. Are we seeking to honor and glorify and lift up God or one another? With our fortified cities, our high places, they set up for themselves. Listen, they built sacred pillars, wooden images on every high hill and every under every green tree. Again, we go back to this, the wooden images. Probably the Asherah poles, Asherah being the female uh, uh, counterpart to Baal. Asherah poles, probably phallic symbols. It's these, these, these high places that stick straight up erect and and we follow them under every green tree they were building. And green tree means new, prosperous, flourishing, fresh. So we start following every new cart, every new thing, and every new plan. Here's how to build your church. Here's how to be a man of God, a woman of God. Here's a new book that's honoring this guy or that guy, and we're promoting them. Listen, are you listening for the Spirit of God to lead you in the Word of God? to wash you and cleanse you so you can be in the ordinance of God and the judgments of God and you can walk in the way of blessing? Or are you being deceived? Deceived with your secret sin. Deceived with the high places you're building for yourselves. Being deceived because it looks like a nice fortress. They got cameras. They got locks on the doors. They got stained glass windows. They're making a lot of bank. None of it has to do anything with souls. All that bank is building materials in heaven. Come back, prodigal. Return to God. Your sin is before God. It can't be hidden. There on these high hills where they are building for themselves sacred pillars, wooden images, under green trees they burned incense. On the, all the high places, like, I put little quotations on like because they were following the world. Like the nations whom the Lord had carried away before them, and they did wicked things to provoke the Lord to anger. For they served idols of which the Lord had said to them, You shall not do this thing. Do what thou wilt, the devil would cry. See, there's a spiritual influence of this because it was like the nations before. There's always demons trying to entice you to serve them and serve what they want you to serve and disobey God. But you know the truth. And when you know the truth, you have to say, not my will, but thy will be done, Lord. You have to cry out to God and ask him to help you. And sometimes it does take fasting, but you have to set your face like Jehoshaphat did in the good times of his life, the first 25 years, and seek him and fast. And then tell the people, this is how we walk. This is what we do. They wanted to be like the nations around them, but God had already carried them away to judgment. Why would we follow something that's already been judged? We want to follow God's judgments. Don't walk in the way of evil. Walk in the way of good. Walk in the way of blessing and obey him. Don't do like the nations before. 
Don't do like the apostate nations. This is what God would say to us. These are all written as examples for you and me in how we should live in this present evil age that we should trust God. We should not serve idols because God said, you shall have no other God before me. We're going to see here, it gets more in-depth of what the idols were and what they were doing. Yet, listen, in all the long-suffering of God, verse 13, listen, long-suffering of God, they were doing all of this. God still loved them. God hadn't given up. He hasn't given up on you. He's not given up on us or his church. He's, he is going to come and get his bride. Yet he sent them prophets. Look at this. Yet the Lord testified. You and I are supposed to be given testimony. You and I are supposed to be given evidence. You and I are supposed to be speaking out. What did God do when these people were already turned their backs? They were already living for themselves. He continued to send them prophets. Look, yet the Lord testified against Israel, northern tribes. He was a witness for the defense against them, against Judah. Now, notice Judah's conglomerated in here now because they've just went apostate. They're pulled in. They're going to be about 100 years before they get carried away, but they're going in the same direction, and we're seeing that same witness that God is sending truth. Against Israel and Judah. How did he do it, Greg? By all his prophets, every seer, these were the, how the word of God came to people in those days. Everybody didn't have a Bible. Everybody didn't have access until Jesus ascended and sent the Holy Spirit back. The Spirit was not convicting of sin and righteousness and judgment the same way it is in this age of grace. What were they saying, Greg? Repent. The same words that Jesus spoke. The first words of his ministry. Turn. Right here, 13b, turn from your evil ways. Every way that's not following God's judgment statutes and God's wisdom, God's word, God's spirit is evil. Turn from your evil ways. Where do you turn? To Jesus. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Turn from your death culture and keep guard my commandments. My prescription, my, my, my authoritative prescription and my statutes according to all the law which I commanded your fathers and which I sent to you by my servants and prophets. Listen, that's all he's saying. Just turn. He's already completely in Christ, perfectly kept every bit of it. Positionally, we're okay. Positionally, we have been covered in the blood, but practically, we need to decide to change our mind. And when you say you said a prayer and you believed in Jesus, that meant you knew you were evil. That meant you knew that you were lost. That meant you knew that you needed to wake up and God would give you light. Then you could learn to walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And then we were supposed to be finding out what the will of the Lord was. And then we're supposed to be Always be being filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord. Listen to me. We have to wake up in the church today. 
And God is still sending preachers. There are still people preaching. But listen, you don't need a preacher. You have the word of God, the spirit of God, convicted of sin and righteousness and judgment. And you can let him teach you the way. 14. Nevertheless, not a good word in this sense. Nevertheless, they would not hear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They would not hear. Oh, they heard the prophets say. They heard the prophets. They heard the word of God. But this is hearing with the intent to obey. This is to hear intelligently so that you can obey the way of God. So he says, nevertheless, they would not hear. They would not turn. They would not repent. They would not change their minds. They would not turn from their evil ways and turn to the way Jesus the Christ Turn back to God and his statutes, but stiffen their necks like the necks of their fathers who did not believe in the Lord their God. They didn't trust the Lord their God. The word believe here did not, they, they, did, they were not faithful to him. This is what Stephen said in Acts chapter 7 to the fathers. They said, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. And what did they do? They stoned him to death. They threw rocks at him. They killed him for his witness. Same thing they did to God for him testifying against us. He came down and testified against us. He came down and declared the kingdom of God. And in shining his light, he testified against our darkness. And he has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Do you believe? Then ask him to lead you and begin to repent and turn and be washed and cleansed and follow and obey him. 15, and they rejected. Rejected. Did not receive his statutes and his covenant that he made with their fathers. And his testimonies, which he had testified against them, they followed idols, became idolaters, and went after the nations who were all around them, concerning whom the Lord had charged them that they should not do like them. Listen to me. It's a new and living way. We can't keep chasing the nations around us. We can't keep being like stiff-necked mules. And God has to put a bridle in our mouth and yank us around. We cannot say that I'm involved in a covenant with God and married to God and then reject God and not do what he says. It's just simply not true. That's why the churches are full of false converts. They haven't turned. You're not being converted. You're not turning back to God. Oh, you might have cleaned up your life and your house physically, but spiritually, only the washing of the water through the word can clean up your spiritual house and convert you, wash you, and cleanse you. 16. So they left all the commandments of the Lord their God, all of them, yeah, all of them made for themselves a molded image and two calves following Jeroboam. 
apostate, made a wooden image and worshipped all the host of heaven. They began to follow Asherah. They're following astrology. Listen, today you can find people in the church walking labyrinth paths, following astrology, following their horoscope, reading horoscope every day, following Harry Potter, living in such evil ways, watching vampire movies and blood and gore and every deception that is on the face of the earth, following the nations and the spirits of this world and ignoring God's spirit and God's words and his statutes. And yet they will say, well, oh, I believe in God. So do the demons. And they tremble and do not obey God. I'm sorry. We have to hear truth. It's what changes our life when we turn our hearts toward God. He'll give us all the power, all the wisdom. He's already given us an inheritance if we know him. Made a wooden image, 16b, and worshipped all the host of heaven and served Baal. This is Baal, Beelzebub, Lord of the Flies, Lord of the Dung Hill, the devil. 17, what else did they do? And they caused their sons and daughters to pass through the fire. What is that, Greg? It's worshipping Molech, another a, a demon, where they would go to the temple three times a day for prayer, but they would actually have their babies alive and then lay them in the molten arms of Molech and kill them and sacrifice them to Molech. And we're, we're doing the same thing today, whether it's abortion in the womb and tearing their little bodies apart, which some states have doubled down, and now they're even asking to be able to kill them after they're born when they see that there's a malady or something wrong with them, that they would be able to destroy them. This is the same evil, the same demons, the same spirits, the same rejection of God's commandments. It's the same death culture that's always been. The, it, nothing has changed. But the unchanging one, God, is calling us to repentance, calling us to turn and stop serving these false gods and causing our sons and daughters to pass through the fire. Listen, sometimes passing through the fires when we just leave them to their own. They call them latch kid, latchkey kids. They leave them at home. They let the TV watch them. They let somebody else take care of them instead of training them in the way that they're supposed to go. Listen, fathers and mothers, we have been given a stewardship to train our children in how to follow the God of the Bible, how to follow Jesus the Christ. Train them in the way that they're supposed to go. When they're older, they will not turn they're from. 17b, practice, they, they, they practice, instead of practicing witchcraft, or excuse me, instead of practicing righteousness and practicing God's judgments and ordinances, they practice witchcraft and soothsaying and sold themselves into bondage. Look, notice it's themselves again to do evil in the sight of the Lord and to provoke him to anger. Notice this is God's anger. God can become an angry God. He's a loving God who will save, but if we continue to reject him, we see the word anger, anger, anger over and over where he's going to judge. He's going to judge. Practice divination and enchantments. Listen, soothsaying there is to hiss, to whisper. 
It's magic spells. You know, we see some of this hypnotic stuff in today's Christian music. Buyer beware. We're seeing some of the hypnosis and some of the music, and it's got background things that are being played that hypnotizes a person, think they're worshiping God, and they're not. Find out what the root is in order to understand the fruit. Listen, let's look over at 1 Samuel 15, 22. We covered this before, 1 Samuel 15, 22, and we're remembering the first king, Saul, and this is the context there, Saul, who wanted to serve himself and build idols to himself, and when he was called and given another chance and he blew it, he was called out by the prophet Samuel, and in 22 he says, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? My sheep hear my voice, John 10, 27. I know them and they follow me. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed, walk in it, guard it, protect it, than the fat of rams. For rebellion... That's rejecting it is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word, the voice, the ways of God. He also has rejected you from being king. Saul would be told very important that we understand that the heart, the matters of the heart is what matters most. Are you looking to obey God, to hear God, to follow God? Or are you still building for yourself? Are you crying out to God? Listen, in everything, no matter what the battle is, cry out to God for help. He's an ever-present help in time of need. Thank Him for the good things. Let's look back. Yeah, the church is. They're practicing witchcraft. They're practicing and They're practicing all the black arts right in the middle of the churches. They really are. I'm not going to go into it in depth. Are you practicing righteousness, right living before God because of his word, because of his spirit, because he's called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, that you may proclaim the praises of him. Verse 18. Therefore, the Lord was very angry with Israel and removed them from his sight. There was none left but the tribe of Judah alone. So he got rid of the northern tribe, that's Israel, all the northern tribes, led them away into Assyrian captivity and removed them from his sight. Now listen, God is an all-seeing God. He, he's everywhere. So he removes them from his face and shows them that he is angry. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. Keep him watch on the evil and the good. So it's a euphemism. It's not like he didn't know where they were at and what was going on. But he removed them from his sight out of the land that he had given them. And then verse 19. Also Judah did not keep the commandments. See, we're going to start here in this apostasy of the Lord their God, but walked in the statutes of Israel, which they made. So see, they're beginning to follow the apostasy. This began with Jehoshaphat. His son Joram married Ahab and Jezebel's daughter, and they began to marry in. And that's what goes on when we try to pull people back in. Instead of just preaching truth, we try to be at peace and, and, and agree to disagree. That's not the gospel. T 
teach truth, <clears throat> walk in righteousness, and glorify and lift up God. Quit trying to make a name for yourself. And the Lord rejected all the descendants of Israel, afflicted them, and delivered them into the hand of the plunderers until he had cast them from his sight. <clears throat> this is speaking of what he had done and what he's doing. For he tore Israel from the house of David. It's the line of Jesus. And, excuse me, for he tore Israel from the house of David and... They made Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, king. This is when he took those tribes out, the northern tribes. Then Jeroboam drove Israel from following the Lord and made them commit great sin. Notice the driving. Jesus asked us to follow him, to be led by his spirit. But when there's false religion, there's a driving going on, driving of animals, driving them away from God, moving them away with fear and pain and suffering. Listen, if it's going on, cry out to God. Seek the old paths. Seek his ways. Don't be driven to commit great sin. Follow the Holy Spirit because Christ has put away your sin from before him. For the children of Israel walked in the sins of Jeroboam, which he did. They did not depart from them. Until the Lord removed Israel out of his sight, as he had said by all of his servants, the prophets. So Israel was carried away from their own land to Assyria, as it is to this day. So then, when they're carried away, what do they do? They begin to cry out to God. Listen, listen, cry out to God before you're carried away. And then we can be carried away in the rapture. We can be carried away in rest and peace and in doing the work of righteousness for God Almighty. Surrender to Him today. Quit building for yourself and begin to enter into the rest of the Lord. Cease from your works, as Hebrews would tell us, so that we can enter into the work of God by the Spirit of God for the glory of God. One day, every day, everything will be exposed by His light. Cry out to Him. Don't wait for him to give you fully away to bondage. Don't wait for him to judge and punish you in his long suffering as he loves you. Surrender today and turn and confess your sin and walk in his judgments and statutes. God, just because he has not completely judged you today does not mean that he will not. He's a long suffering God. You will reap what you sow. God is not mocked. If you sow to the wind, you will reap the whirlwind. Lord, wake us up in our Christian walk. Give us light. Help us to desire to walk circumspectly, redeeming the time, for the days are evil. Help us to walk as wise, not as fools, who have said no to you and rejected you. Thank you, Lord, for our great salvation. Thank you for the blood of your Son. Thank you for calling us out of darkness. Thank you for delivering us from the sin nature. Thank you for telling us to go and be witnesses. And thank you, Lord, for such a great inheritance. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you.